You're a visionary. You know all is possible in the NFT world, and I welcome you to Freedom with NFTs. I'm Lauren Turton, and in each episode of Freedom with NFTs, I interview NFT gurus who share their experiences, strategies, tools, and tips so you can dive even deeper into creating your own freedom with NFTs. New episodes drop every Wednesday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So hit subscribe so you can stay dialed in to freedom with NFTs. Buckle up for today's episode of Freedom with NFTs. Our guest is Nuzara Hawkshaw, and she's the founder, investor, and an award-winning intellectual property attorney based out of Los Angeles, California. Nuzara counsels U.S. and international clients on trademark and copyrights, branding strategies, IP portfolio management, trade secrets, data protection, GDPR, and U.S. privacy law compliance, and other commercial matters. As a creative entrepreneur and small business owner herself, Nuzara loves working with startups and creatives and has represented clients in the blockchain, online coaching, cannabis, technology, design, fashion, and entertainment industries. One of the first attorneys to successfully obtain federal trademark protection in the cannabis industry, Nuzara was named in the Daily Women's Journal Top Women Attorneys for 2017. Since 2015, she has been recognized as a super lawyer's rising star in Southern California for intellectual property, an award made to only 2.5% attorneys in the region. She is often featured in legal and business outlets as an expert in intellectual property. Her latest interview on intellectual property rights for cannabis brands was published on Yahoo Finance, and she just wrapped up as the keynote speech at the Small Business Expo 2021. She had previously served on the board of directors of the South Asian Bar Association of Southern California. Nazara holds the honor of being both a California attorney and a barrister in England and Wales, having been called to the bar at Lincoln's Inn in London. She attended the University of Southern California's Gould School of Law, where she was awarded the Dean's Merit Scholarship. In the UK, she received law degrees from BPP Law School in Leeds and Northumbria University, graduating with honors in Newcastle. During her spare time, Nuzara loves hanging out with her husband and their pet cat, Kiba, while entertaining friends and family. As a virtual attorney, she loves traveling to new countries and exploring new destinations while working for the protection and growth of her client's business. It's an honor to have you on Freedom with NFTs, Nuzara. Welcome. So tell us, I'm so curious to know about your journey as a lawyer into the NFT space. Hi, Lauren. I'm so excited to be here today with you. And yeah, I would love to tell you about my journey into the NFT space. It happened by accident. I wasn't really even familiar with the NFT space that much, or even when blockchain technology was coming out and people were talking about blockchain, I was like a lot of other people that thought blockchain means Bitcoin. And that's it. That's all I knew. And I obviously stand corrected. Blockchain is so much more than just Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. And the way I got into the space was because one of my clients, so I'm an IP attorney, and I deal with a lot of original content and original branding. Mm -hmm. And I help my clients protect their content and monetize it and scale it. So that's kind of part of what I do. So one of my clients who is a digital artist, I cannot reveal 
his name due to confidentiality reasons, but he is a digital artist and he was doing really well. So we were working on a lot of his art pieces, getting them copyrighted when he was getting them ready for sale or even exhibiting them. We would do all of the copyrights before that. Mm-hmm. So one day he scheduled a call with me and he said, I'm thinking of turning one of my artworks into an NFT. And I was like, what? What is he doing? What's he talking about? So that was my intro into NFT it was one of my clients who came up to me and said, I want to do this and I want to do this right. Because he already knew the value of his artwork from beforehand, even before this world of NFTs started. He was smart enough to understand that, okay, this is just a different way of getting my art out there and getting more people involved in my community and raising the value, both social and monetary value of my artwork in a digital space. And I want to do it right. And that's how it all started for me. So I started advising him and doing my own research. And what was interesting was there's not a lot of precedent or regulations out there. And this we were talking about this, this was last year, I think early last year, that when we were talking about this. And so there was nothing I was literally trying to Google, because if there's a lawyer listening to this, you know, that anytime we have to look up things, we will go on Westlaw or Lexis. But for this, there was nothing. So yeah, I started to Google and there were some articles here and there, but a lot of it came down to just applying the current laws to this new world. So yeah, that was my intro into this world. Wow, that is amazing. And when I think about the timeline that you said, you got into the space just a year ago, and just a year ago, there were no references or experience yeah. in the law space in NFT. So thank you for diving in yeah. <laughs> so you can support this community in regards to protecting themselves legally when it comes to NFTs. So tell us from your point of view, from a lawyer's point of view, explain what an NFT is. That's such a great question. So the easiest way to understand what an NFT is that it is a digital contract between you, the buyer, and the owner of whatever NFT you're buying. So it could be an artwork, a piece of music, but it's a contract between you and that seller. And that contract is not a physical piece of paper. That contract is on the blockchain. And what the contract is saying is you, because you're purchasing this this portion of the artwork, you are one of the few people in the world that can claim that you own a piece of this original artwork, for example. That is the easiest way to understand an NFT without getting into the whole description of it's a non-fungible token, which it is. And a lot of people will explain that. But from a very basic legal point of view, this is what it is. It's a digital contract. And the contract, the way it is backed up, just like in the physical world, you would have contracts where two people will sign the contract and it is based Mm -hmm. on trust. It's the same way. Instead, there's not two people signing a contract, shaking their hand and saying, okay, here is our trust. But that trust is basically maintained by the blockchain technology that everything you do, every transaction you make, everything is timestamped. So that is your trust that you're putting in the seller who's who you're trusting with your money, your resources, and you're buying a piece of their 
creation. Now that creation could be anything. Dig into That's that, what it is. Nazara, yeah. dig into that a little bit for people who are new to NFTs. When you yeah. say that it can be anything, what do you yeah. mean? So right now, when we think of NFTs, we mostly think of artwork because it's the easiest NFT to to explain an artwork is something that you can see it's in a way tangible and you can own a piece of it but an nft can literally be anything that you create we've only i feel with blockchain technology and even with the world of nft we've only scratched the surface so you've got your artwork but if you are a musician your music and i know a lot of artists have already started doing that they're uploading their music and you can buy parts of their music as nfts so Music is one. Then we've got just in the real world, a lot of people like to own rights to designs, very unique designs. It's not necessarily, you can call it artwork, but it's if you think about Canva and if Canva creates these unique templates, okay, and they put it up on the blockchain technology and they say only the first hundred people can grab this template. That's it. And it's a very simplistic way of thinking about it. But you, as one of the very few hundred people, can grab that template and then make it your own. But only you will have it. No one else will have that template. No one else can use it. So the potential is pretty much limitless. Anything that you can think that, okay, you can create, you can bring that out into an NFT form. And if you are so inclined, if you are the creator, the author, that you want to give people a part of the ownership, you can do so. And right now, artwork is the most popular type of NFT, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of different types of original creations coming out. And when you say creations, naturally, we go towards the creative space, but it's not just creations. It is also deeds, wills, Mm -hmm. real estate, Things in that space are also in the NFT world. So for anyone who's new here to NFTs, also open up your mind too. It's not yeah. just the creative space. This community, this technology runs so, so deep. And there's so many ways to get involved in it. There's something that you said earlier that was also interesting to me that I want you to dig in a little bit deeper to. You said time stamping. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that? Because I know those who are new to the NFT space, they don't know what that means. Right. So, and again, I'm going to try to articulate it in a very simple way, because even when I was first learning about this, I was like, oh my God, it's difficult to even understand. So the way blockchain technology works, and I'm not going to get into the technical part of it, but basically any kind of transaction you make is what we understand as time stamping in the real world is that, okay, someone literally takes a hot seal, places it on a piece of paper, and there you go, it's time stamped. In the same way in the digital space, every time you're making a transaction, any kind of transaction, and a transaction necessarily doesn't have to be literally just buying and selling. I think in the blockchain technology, any kind of interaction also you're doing can be termed technically as a transaction. But anytime that's happening, the real time is recorded at what time this happened. So in order for you to track something's authenticity, it's it's in a way a lot easier to do that than in the real world. Because in the real world, you have to go through piles of paper to find out, okay, where this originated from? Is this real? How many owners were there? 
But in the digital space, at least with blockchain, what timestamping essentially means in a very simple term is that there is a record of every move being made on that blockchain. So if someone wants to go and verify, they can do that very easily because there is an actual record of all of the moves that was made, including financial transactions, including any other kind of transaction. So that's one of the easiest ways to understand. And you mentioned something that is so interesting that, you know, real estate, wills and trusts, and that is true. It's actually happening in the NFT space right now. There's actual virtual real estate space that is up for sale. So if you want to buy a piece of property in Manhattan, you might not be able to do that in the real world, but there's a company out of Silicon Valley. They let you buy pieces of real estate, but in the virtual world. With and that's your NFT. So why would someone want to buy a piece of real estate in the virtual world? That's such a great question. So I think the way the whole NFT world is set up is it's a perceived value. So any kind of artwork, even if you think in the real world, like if you look at a Picasso, what does it do for you? It has actually no utility. It's oil and paint and a canvas. But society as a whole has come together and decided that this piece of artwork has tremendous value. We are going to assign it a couple of millions of dollars as value. But it's because us as a society came together and decided to give it that value. If one day we wake up and we just go, you know what? This is nothing. This is just paper with oil and paint that I get to hang on my wall. What is it doing for me? It doesn't pay my bills, doesn't feed me, doesn't do anything. So it has zero value. That Picasso painting can overnight go into the negative value. People who have ever bought Picasso paintings could now be sitting on a large pile of loss. That's it. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, the whole concept with NFTs is that the community comes together for NFTs and decides this particular artwork, for example, or even this particular real estate has value. And that's the same concept with owning virtual real estate. It is still finite. It's not infinite. Like if you're trying to buy property, even on the virtual world, say in Manhattan, you're going to probably have 100 to 500 NFTs that can be purchased. So just like in the real world, there's scarcity. Just mm -hmm. because you can buy it in the virtual world doesn't mean everyone can go and buy it. There is a price set. There is a limited number of people that can have access to it. So there is inherent value. But yeah, if you ask, what does it do in the real world? Nothing much. You can't go, you actually cannot go and knock on the door of that Manhattan property in real life and say, hey, guess what? I own this. No, you can't do any of that. But in the virtual, in the metaverse, so to speak, Mm -hmm. You now own a very expensive piece of real estate amazing. that you can trade on. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I want to shift gears now and go into the space of NFTs from the viewpoint of an artist. I know a lot of people when they're getting in the, into this space, it's because they have created artwork. They might be a photographer, a painter, a digital artist. So let's talk about when minting an NFT. What mm -hmm. do artists need to be thinking about from a legal point of view? Great question. So I know that a lot of artists now, especially in the NFT space, unlike my client, who's actually really smart, but a lot of artists do not 
thinking long term. They're thinking more in the sense of we're going to mint these NFTs, put them up for sale, make some quick cash, all of that. But because this is a new world and people are still navigating it, very soon the real world is going to catch up to this virtual world. Mm-hmm. In the real world, you as an artist, if you want to sell your art or you want to give uh, even licensing rights to someone else in order for them to sell your art, you first have to own the artwork. Now, under copyright law, which will apply to NFTs, because NFTs essentially is a mix of cryptocurrency and intellectual property. That's what it is. It's like these two came together, had a baby, and then that was (laughs) NFTs. So in the real world, if you are an artist, you always want to think about ownership. Same with the virtual world. Who created this art and who owns the art? If there are multiple people that contributed in making this art what it is, the final product, then there's multiple owners of this art. So who has the right to actually put it up for sale, to distribute it, to display it? All of this has to be figured out before an artwork can actually go to the marketplace in the real world. So that the same principles apply to the virtual world. There's nothing different. So as an artist, if you are minting NFTs and if you are thinking of doing it, I would say, first of all, when you create your digital artwork, the first thing you want to do is ensure that you have the rights to ownership. So if you're the only one that made this artwork, you are the copyright owner. However, you should go register that copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office. You get a beautiful certificate that says you're the true owner. And then you, as the owner, have all the rights. You can display it. You can make derivatives out of it. You can sell it, lease it, license it, you do whatever you want to do with it. And if anyone else wants to take your artwork and do something with it, they need your permission. So that's what happens in the real world. And also, if there are multiple people that got together, say if it's a part of a project and there's a lot of people involved, they all contributed in making this artwork the the final product. Then right now, every person that made a contribution Legally speaking, they own the copyrights to that particular contribution they made to the artwork. So you have all these different copyright owners. So what you would want to do is if you're the main artist and you've hired all these people, you brought all of them together, you want to have transfer agreements, copyright transfer agreements that transfers all of their rights over to you. So when you put up your artwork on on OpenSea or wherever you want to put it up on, you control the commercial aspect of that NFT. You're not going to have Bob and Michael and Harry and Peter coming up to you and saying, hey, guess what? I did this and I did that. So this all this money that you made after making this NFT, we, you owe us a portion of that profit because we never gave you the rights. Yeah, you paid us for our work, but we never transferred the rights to you. So this happens in the real world, but this could very easily happen on the NFT space. Like nothing is stopping that from happening. And in fact, it will happen. When this space blows up a bit more, this is bound to happen. So as an artist, I would be mindful of those things that you need to be the proper copyright owner. And then only then can you confidently put up your artwork and sell it, make money off of it. And give people permission. So this is also another legal angle that when people are buying NFTs, as we said earlier, it's a digital contract. You are promising these people that this is authentic. Mm. The ownership is verified. There is no third-party claims to it. So when they're buying your NFTs, that's why it has that value. However, 
just like the real world, if there are third-party rights, if other people are claiming ownership, then that NFT, it doesn't hold much value because this person now doesn't even know anymore if this NFT is even valid. If there's 10 other owners to it and this person never knew, they thought, okay, I'm just buying from Bob, but now 10 other people are showing up. What is the value really of your IP? It's not there anymore. So your whole career can come crashing down because you're now potentially, you're a fraud. You defrauded people out of all this money. And now you're telling them, sorry, guys, I actually don't own the rights to it. Is it expensive to go through this process? Walk us through what that looks like. Yeah. So the process itself is not as intense as it is, say, if you were getting a trademark, it's a lot more intense. With copyrights, you have to go to the very practical step by step is you will go to the copyright.gov, which is the their official website. It's governed by the Library of Congress. You will log in, create an account, and you will follow step by step for like what the instructions are. They'll ask for information, all of this information that I just mentioned. Who is the owner? Who created this artwork? How many creators were there? If there are multiple creators, do you have a contract from them transferring over the rights? All of that they will verify. They will want to see the artwork. What date was it created? The date it was first published. They're going to check all of that. And then they're going to give you the registration. Only if they think your artwork is unique enough, though. So that's also the catch. If your artwork is like a derivative of something that is super common, you might not get the copyrights to it because they'll say, what's so unique about this? You don't, you can't get a copyright ownership over something that is so generic. So that's also something to keep in mind. But then again, why would you even bother putting up something super generic as up as an NFT? It's not going to have that value. Absolutely. And then is there a fee associated with this? Yeah, so the filing fees right now, I believe, for uh, 2D artwork is about $65 per application. So it's not much. It's it's something that is easily accessible. And artists should just get it done before they launch their artwork in the marketplace. And I know your job as a lawyer is to look at all of the risks that mm-hmm. could happen and do all of the steps to eliminate the risks and to protect yourself. I truly believe that as this space grows, people are going to come in from these different viewpoints that artists or creators aren't necessarily looking at and saying, Mm -hmm. I know law, I know what I can go after people for. Mm -hmm. So this episode is very helpful because you're telling us right now Go out there, copyright your work, take these extra steps, pay that fee so that as your career in the NFT community explodes, you are protected from the beginning. Yeah. And you're someone that can be trusted. People will have immense trust in you if they know that you know what you need to do in order to protect your artwork. It's almost like protecting the community as well. Because if that artwork is disputed, the ownership is disputed, the whole community is kind of left feeling lost and confused because Mm -hmm. there's, there's no value or the value is now disputed. The other thing which is important to note is that this is something that my husband asked me the other day. He said, well, say, for example, if I see a really cool NFT and I want to create something like that. What's stopping me from creating my own version of something that I saw, which was really cool and putting it up as an NFT? And 
I said, well, that is that is where copyright law comes in. Because yes, technically, there is nothing stopping you. However, if you are a copyright owner, a registered copyright owner, you have the right to create derivatives of your artwork. Nobody else. So if, for example, a few days ago, there was that meme and I posted about it on my stories because that was so interesting. This little girl that made that face where she was annoyed and it was a viral meme. That meme had gone viral and everyone loved it. So that is now being sold as an NFT. And this little kid is going to be a millionaire. So good for her. (laughs) But if someone sees that and says, okay, what if, okay, that's the photograph. It's a 2D photograph. What if I create like a graphic art version of this and I make that into an NFT? Someone can. However, if, if that girl's parents were smart enough to register that picture as a copyright, or even without registering, you have those rights, but you just have to know how to enforce it. They can then go after those people and say, hey, you cannot create derivatives out of this because we own the rights to it. So you can even shut down those kinds of NFTs that will pop up, try to piggyback off of more popular NFTs. So what that does is it protects your control, the control you have over the marketplace with your artwork. Plus, it protects your community because they know that this is the only place where I can come and get an original, whatever your name is, that no one else in the space can create derivatives or make different versions of it and sell it. This is the only place where it can happen. And therefore, my NFT is so valuable. Wow, very powerful information. Something that I know gets a little bit blurry in this space when people are first entering is, okay, I'm an artist, I'm a creator. I am turning it into my work into an NFT and I'm selling it to someone else. Do I still have ownership over the NFT? Can you dig into that a little bit for us? So yes, technically, you would have rights over the original piece. But obviously, when you are turning that into an NFT and people have already purchased, they've they've bought a piece of your artwork depending on what kind of terms and conditions there are on the hosting platform, it can make a difference. So if the hosting platform has some a clause in there which says the original artist reserves the right to revoke all NFTs, which would be really bad for the people that bought it, but say if they have a clause like that, then you as an artist know that, okay, if one day I decide that I want to just wrap up everything, I don't want anything of my artwork on the internet anymore, anywhere, then yeah, you can do so. But I would say it would be very hard practically to enforce something like that. So you need to be very clear that when you're turning your artwork into an NFT, that you're fully committed to it because it's the same thing as buying stocks. If you're buying stocks in a company and then the company goes bankrupt, for example, the company's gone, your stocks have no value anymore. Imagine the devastation people feel and the kind of even negative association they have with that company or anything that company does that, oh, we're never trusting that company and never giving them our money, not buying their stocks. It's the same with the NFT space. If you as an artist are not performing well or your reputation gets scarred or something happens where the value of your NFT drops, yes, you still have ownership over it, But people have still purchased from you. So at that point, it's going to be very hard for you to go to them and say, return all of this. Like you own nothing. You know, you own absolutely nothing from my artwork anymore. I've changed my mind. Like that would be crazy unless 
realistically, you decide to buy back all of your NFTs at the current market price. Okay, that sounds like a lot of drama and a lot of hassle and something that we don't want to happen to us. Yeah. Which takes us into how can artists actually stay protected in regards to the platform they are selling their work on? Now we understand what to do at the beginning. Get your work copyrighted. Now you can turn it into an NFT on the various platforms that are out there. But how do I actually stay protected when doing that? That's such a great question. So it's like putting up your work on any other even social media platform, if you think about it. You have to read the terms of use and terms of terms and conditions of each platform. They're going to have different rules and regulations. If when you like, for example, if you are putting up any of your pictures, videos like we do on Instagram, on Facebook, you're essentially giving up your copyrights. You are agreeing to the fact that as soon as you hit that upload button, now all of this is owned by Instagram and Facebook. So you don't have any control over it. That's why when there is an infringement online, people will not necessarily knock on your door and say, hey, Lauren, can you just bring down that picture? That's not allowed. It's my picture. They'll just go straight to Facebook and file an IP violation claim because now they own the property. They own the intellectual property to those. It's the same way for NFTs. All of these different platforms are coming up. OpenSea obviously being the most popular one of them would read through their terms of use. What do they say? If there is a section that says, by uploading your content, your artwork here and minting it into an NFT, you give us the right to make derivatives out of it, display it, sell it. What they're saying essentially, which which they don't want to obviously say directly, is you're giving up your copyrights to us. We now own the rights to it and we get to decide what we want to do with it. So If you go inactive, for example, as an artist and your community is dead, the platform, depending on their terms of use, can just bring it under their control. They Mm -hmm. start running it. They start creating derivatives of it. So technically, they make the community believe that this is very much alive and this is very much still going on, even though the original artist is not there, but who needs them anyway? You can make a 3D version of them and just show them the metaverse. I don't see how that would even not happen. Like as a business, from a business standpoint, if I had a platform like that, those are the kind of rules I would set just to make sure that there's stability. Like one day, I don't want to wake up and see all of my best artists Mm -hmm. are gone. They've moved on to another platform. So in order to protect myself as the platform owner, I would say I would want some rights of theirs. So they're kind of tied to the platform. They just don't get up and leave. But yeah, definitely check the terms of use and decide accordingly because this is a new space. There is limited number of platforms, but I'm sure as time goes on and as more people get come into this industry, you're going to have competition. There's going to be different platforms which might offer even better terms of use. Thank you so much for that insight. Now I want to switch gears and talk about taxes in the NFT space. <laughs> I know for me, this is very overwhelming. It's a lot of terms that I don't understand when people are talking about it. So if you can break down in the simplest terms, how taxes in the NFT space work. That's a great question. I am not a tax lawyer. So I'm going to make my comments very brief. I highly recommend people that you 
speak to a tax attorney or a CPA with experience in the cryptocurrency world because it is a it's well west. But what I would say is when you think about NFTs, think about it in the same way as you would think about stocks and shares for now. There are no specific regulations that the IRS has come out with yet. But logically speaking, that's how they're going to treat it. It's an asset that you can trade. So just for stocks and, and shares, if you sell within the first year of gain, uh, of you know buying a, a, a piece of stock, you are taxed higher on your, as capital gains taxes. If you sell the next year, the taxes are a little lower. I would say think of it in the same way because it is essentially, for the IRS, it will be the same thing. These are assets that you can trade. And also, I saw online another lawyer was saying that his clients actually did get hit with a tax bill from the IRS because of heavy trading with uh, with cryptocurrency. Not necessarily that they were buying NFTs, but they were buying and selling cryptocurrencies. And they made a lot of money, which was good for them. But then the IRS did audit them. So the IRS is going to catch up. So I would say definitely speak to a tax attorney for that. And it's best when starting anything to start under the lens of I'm going to do this in the right way from the beginning so that as you move and grow in a space, you're protected. You're fine. So again, this episode is so, so important because you're sharing what people need to take action on now. Everyone who's in the NFT space, this is the beginning. Just the beginning. It's as if the internet just came out and we're the first people who are part of the internet. So I'm so glad that we could have you on today to share these insights from a legal point of view. I'm curious, in the NFT space, should people be setting up a legal entity for trading? You know, it depends. It really depends. If you are going to be actively trading on NFTs and that is going to be your source of income, like that, that's how you see it. It's not a hobby. It's not something you do sometimes, but this is your source of income. Then yes, then set up an LLC because if that's your main source of income, you are essentially a business owner. That is your business. It's almost like bringing everything back to the real world. Like if you look at it from a very simple lens, that is what it is. If you're doing this full time, that's your business. As a business, you always want to separate your business from your personal assets because if you get sued, because of your business activities and you get sued as an individual, whoever is suing you can go after your house, your spouse's accounts, your kid's college fund, whatever you have as your personal assets, they can go after all of it. So if you're going to be doing this uh, at a high level where this is serious, if you're making a good amount of money from trading NFTs, then yeah, set up an LLC and do the trading through, through that company, not as you as an individual, and then cut yourself a paycheck, Mm -hmm. just like any company would do, cut yourself a paycheck, and you get the paycheck from the company. So if if the company gets sued, the company gets sued, and your personal assets are protected. And also, all of the assets that you're buying, so any NFT you purchase is an asset. All of that can be under the company's name as well. So you can even get insurance for it. Oh, yeah. If you if these are high value NFTs, if it's like if it's like one of those apes, for example, yeah, board ape yacht club, yeah, yeah. If you own one of those board apes, like those are so expensive. Like imagine just leaving them out vulnerable out there 
No, you might want to even think of getting insurance for all of this. If there is ever any digital kind of theft, like if your system gets hacked, something happens. I know right now the blockchain technology is extremely secure. However, things can go wrong and you're supposed to write down all your information on a piece of paper and not share it with anyone. But what if, you know, someone steals that piece of paper that has all of your information mm-hmm. and hacks into your system? For those, you can get insurance. As a business, you can get insurance. Then also as an artist, you want to think about, okay, if I'm going to be doing this very seriously, uh, not as a buyer, but even as an artist that I'm going to put up my artwork, I'm going to be creating a whole brand like Bored Ape or like, what were they called? Crypto Kitties. So yeah, like all of these are brand names now. They're not even just random things you see on the internet. No, they have actual value and in the millions. So, and the value is associated with their brand identity. You see a board ape, you know, oh my God, this is really valuable. Same with the kitties, same with all of the other board. But, uh, no, there's one panda coming up as well. I don't, I think they're also trying to call it board pandas. But he, this is the point. Like if, if someone is trying to piggyback off of your success and creating their versions, it could be like, okay, from board ape, someone's trying to make board pandas. If you think about it, even that sense, these are your brand names, these are your trademarks, these are your assets, you want to protect them and you want to protect them under your company's umbrella. So it's a proper business and you can get IP insurance for all of them. If they are safe, they're secure and you can trade them properly. Okay. Thank you, Nazara. This has been such an insightful and helpful episode on freedom with NFTs. Before we wrap this up, Are there any last words that you'd like to share with our audience today from the legal standpoint of NFTs? I would say that be smart about this. It's a brand new world and it's not going away anywhere. I know a lot of people say, oh, this could be a phase and this could be just, you know, something that's happening temporarily. I don't see it that way. I think that as we move on with time, it's only going to get bigger and more and more players are going to come into this industry. And major corporations have already started coming in. So whenever there is a new space, it's unregulated and there's a lot of confusion. However, whatever you would do in the real world to protect yourself, make sure that you are safe, you are making money properly, you're being taxed properly, you're not paying extraordinary taxes for no reason. All of those steps that you would take in the real world, just take those same steps in this world and in the metaverse. Very soon, there's going to be very little difference between the real world and the metaverse. So just behave as if you're in the real world. Thank you so, so much. And tell us, how can our audience get in touch with you? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, My handle is at Nazaira ESQ. And my website is nhlegal.net. And how do you spell that? That's an important part. So the way you spell my name is N-U-Z-A-Y-R-A and E-S-Q. So Nuzaira E-S-Q all across uh, all of the social media platforms, even on Clubhouse. Awesome. And we will link that in the show notes. Again, Nazara, thank you so much for all of your insight and wisdom. And this won't be the last time that we see you on Freedom with NFTs. I guarantee I will have you back on as a guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Freedom with NFTs. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
I'm your host, Lauren Turton, and it's been an honor to show up for you in this format and support you on your journey in creating your own freedom with NFTs.